Hey everybody, this is John Maroon. Welcome to Spin is a Four-Letter Word, the Maroon PR podcast, all things public relations and marketing. I'm with Matt Williams as usual. Hey, Matty. Hey, John. How are you? Good, good. And Julie, our silent but deadly producer, used to say Brittany, but now it's Julie, and she's outstanding. We're thrilled to have her as part of the team. Um, real treat today, uh, Matt, and thank you for reaching out to Kevin and getting him here. Kevin Sullivan, he currently is the owner of Kevin Sullivan Communications, but this guy's career has gone through sports and network television all the way up to the White House. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, you know, he's he's one of those guys that when you talk to, especially folks that have known him in the, in the NBA PR world and then obviously in the TV and politics world. Everybody respects him. Nobody says so, <laughs> anything bad about Kevin Sullivan. He's got all the experience in the world, and I think the great thing is he's got stuff that he can tell any PR professional out there that's going to help help them in their in their job. No, for sure. I mean, a lot of what he does these days is a message training and media training for executives and athletes. Um, his insights are terrific. He hits a real. Uh, a uh, solid point with us when he talked about the importance of not only developing, maintaining your relationships as you grow in your business. And, you know, anybody who knows anything about Maroon PR knows that our tagline is, is we drive growth through relationships. And Kevin really hammers that home and provides some really valuable insights on so many levels. He's got some great stories to tell, too. He'll give you some great examples here of of uh, real-world examples of how his and and the PR process works and and when it didn't and when it did. Without further ado, Kevin Sullivan, thanks for listening. I really appreciate you having me, John and Matt. It's great to uh, be reconnected. Same, Sully. It's great to talk to you. You know, before we before we had Sully on, before we started this conversation, we we're talking offline, and you know, he a couple things that he spoke about that really resonated with me. One is despite. Um, the incredible diversity in his resume, he stressed that the principles still apply across the board. Good PR principles, communications principles still apply. And the second thing is he really harped on relationships. And that truly resonates with us because our tagline is we drive growth through relationships. And it's one of those words, I think, Sully, that everyone seems to throw around a little bit, but not necessarily take to heart. Talk about how you've maintained those relationships in this industry over these decades relationships are the, the most important thing not just because it might get you another piece of business or it might lead to something it's fun and it enriches you know my life is enriched by the conversations uh that that i have with the people i've known a long time and meeting new people and so you know i do think it's a little bit of a of i hate to say it, a dying art with young people where it's so easy and so convenient to hide behind text and Slack and LinkedIn and all the different ways that we can be connected digitally, uh, the good stuff comes when you actually speak to somebody. So you know, for the young PR people, I know you've got a lot of uh, PR people who listen, listen to uh, spin is a four letter word, which I love that title. And I agree with that, by the way, we can talk about that some more, but, but you know, and, and the other point I would make is look for natural inflection points uh, to to pick up the phone or to shoot an, you know, it doesn't mean you can never use digital because people are busy, but like we record this on a day when the Major League Baseball playoffs start. So I'm going to shoot a note to Bonnie Clark at the Phillies saying, you know, good luck. Yeah. Uh, 
let me know if I can be helpful, you know, you know, go Phillies, you know, and on and on through my other uh, friends in major league baseball, you, know, you kind of look for those spots to stay connected with people again, not, not because it might be beneficial to me, but because it's enjoyable and it, it does, it is fulfilling to have relationships and, and to feel that you have a connection with people and at times you can be helpful. Yeah. And Sully, to that point, you know, you, you, if I'm not mistaken, you were the, were you the first PR director for the Mavericks as they came on board? Right. Yeah. yeah I was an original employee. I was actually the public relations <laughs> assistant. And then a couple of years later I had the title, but from the beginning I got to do a lot. We had, we had, uh, you know, around 20 employees in the entire front office. <laughs> you know, today teams have three, four or 500 employees. It's just kind of right. mind boggling. But, you know, and the thing I would say about that, Matt, is to, especially, the, you know, PR people, we like being behind the scenes, but don't allow yourself to be pigeonholed. I remember uh, the great John Eisenberg uh, and Richard Justice were some mm. of our early beat writers. Right. And I think it was actually uh, RJ when, when I, when, um, he was a beat writer for the Mavericks the first year. I was 21. And he said to me, I heard you were great at statistics. And I don't know who told him that or it was probably, you know, but I'd never, I'd, and, and I like stats, you know, but I didn't want to be that the stats guy. Like I wanted to be a communications, a PR person. And, and, you know, years later when I got to NBC, I had opportunities, you know, first at NBC sports and later on the corporate side. Uh, but let's say when I was at NBC sports, 9-11 happened, uh, you know, at, in my second year there, uh, and I had an opportunity to help out at NBC News. You know, and, I, and I, I, I sought out those opportunities to do things beyond the narrow definition of my job to feel like I was a part of something bigger to learn. You know, I'm, you know use your natural curiosity to try to learn new tips and tricks and, and, and uh, you know, don't allow yourself to be defined by somebody else as only being able to, to exist in a certain lane. Yeah, we're, we're with Kevin Sullivan, uh, owner of Kevin Sullivan Communications. Uh, to reiterate, Kevin started his career with the Dallas Mavericks, went to NBC Universal, on to the Department of Education, and served as the communications director in the White House uh, for starting his own thing. So what a career. Kevin, can you speak a little bit to looking back on all the things you've experienced in your career? Um, what are a couple of examples of stops or, or things you've dealt with where you've just learned really valuable lessons, your key takeaways, things that maybe shaped you moving forward and how you communicate with people? This would have been 2007, I believe. So I was White House Communications Director which was just a mind blowing thing as a sports person right. to have that opportunity. And, you know, every day when I walked into the, to the West wing through the basement door, I just said a little prayer, you know, God, please help me not screw this up today. When I was with the Mavericks, you know, I, if I messed up, there was a limited amount of damage I could do. But in that job, I really was, uh, you know, I, I had to really be, be careful. So, so I always took, I always understood the weight of the role and was an honor to, and a privilege to, to get to, to do that. Uh, but there was a time in 2007 where, um, actually it was 2006, I think. Um, and the state children's health insurance program was up for reauthorization. This is an insurance, this is a, a program where the federal government gives the states money to provide health insurance for 
families that are near the poverty line uh, to help children of poor families. And uh, President Bush was in favor of a of a uh, a a big uh, increase in the funding. I forget what the percentage was, but it was a big number. But it wasn't as big as the number that uh, this was 2007 because. Republicans had lost control of the House in 2006 midterm elections. And Speaker Pelosi wanted a bigger number than President Bush did. And so we embarked on this campaign to make our case as for why President Bush's big increase was the right number. And at a certain point, you know, we did a lot of events. The president did interviews, did the radio address, did, you know, we had fact sheets, we had all this stuff. And Speaker Pelosi got up one day and said, George W. Bush is against health insurance for poor sick kids. <laughs> so. And we looked around and I said, you know, we got a 500 word fact sheet and she has a bumper sticker. <laughs> right. And, and, and I never forgot that lesson that, that, um, uh, and you know, politics is some other factors that come into play, obviously in the partisan sense, but, you know, whether it was then or whether it's now where the RPMs have just picked up exponentially and our audience is just distracted. We don't have anybody's full attention at any time. You know, go out there with your messaging. Make it be a bumper sticker, not a, not a 500 word fact sheet. Right. And that was that was a really valuable lesson learned. Yeah, that's really interesting. And you're right. And it's powerful. And you're fighting an uphill battle. Right. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do is give away you know more money. Um, and then trying to justify the the, the pushback against the, just more and more right. and more is is a, is a challenge. So yeah, that 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 is a wild story. I'm sure there were some stressful nights there. Kev, talk a little bit to us about um, how social media has impacted what you're doing these days, especially. You know, you're doing some media training, not just for athletes but executives. You're doing messaging, and the immediacy good, bad, and indifferent of social media certainly puts a strain on that. How, how have you kind of, how's that factored into your work? It's the, the RPMs have just picked up exponentially. Social media for all the things that it's done, and there's good things that it's done, but the speed is just, it's just immediate. And the, um, you know, Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. and a few weeks ago, the, yes. you know, the Bills, you know, had a tough loss right at the right at the gun, and of course, you know, there's cameras trained on the offensive coordinator at all times, and he slammed his headset down, he slammed his tablet down repeatedly, he threw some stuff around, and because it was on camera, it, it became a part of the story. And reason the reason it became a part of the story, in addition to the fact that the the broadcast showed it was that it got it got it immediately went went viral on on, on social and uh, so you know when I when I work with coaches players executives in sports and out of sports it's that you know, you know and this social media means you got to get it right the first time uh, you you really you really have to be mindful that you're that what you do and what you say is a direct reflection on your leadership ability. Now, Ken is a really talented, smart person, and it's not going to, you know, have, I don't think it will be long-term detrimental consequences, but the fact that the ESPN.com game story 
included that in the headline mm-hmm. tells you it had, you know, it was something that happened when the game was over, not on the field, not on the sideline. And it was in the headline of the story. So get it right the first time, you know, it's just, it's the immediacy, it's the speed. And when I do team media training, which I've been doing a lot of lately as the NBA season gets started is I always tell the players, you know, the way you conduct yourself on social media lets the world know what your values are, what's important to you, what matters to you. And you can really get a sense of a player in a fairly short amount of time by following them on Instagram and Twitter in particular. You know, is this guy about family? Is he about fashion or she? Uh, you know, is, is she about being a great teammate, a hard worker? Uh, is there a particular cause in the community? And so social media, you know, we're at a time now the country's divided. Uh, there's a, inflation, gas prices, new COVID variants, hurricanes. The people are, you know, sports should be an escape. It should be a place where people's spirits are lifted. And the players have these platforms. And the teams do a great job, generally speaking, helping the players, you know, providing them with video. Uh, I know here in Dallas, the Mavericks provide the players with video after every practice that they can use on social, you know, little images and video clips can do reels on Instagram and videos on Twitter. If they choose, it's up to them. Um, So I tell the players, you know, you decide, it's up to you. You decide what do you want the world to know about you and then have a game plan that aligns that those things you want people to know about you with what you actually post. Such good. It's such good advice because I think so many of these young guys, you know, we forget these guys get significant contracts. They're in the national spotlight and a lot of them are 24, 25, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in any spotlight when I was 23, 24, 25, it would be a scene, but I mean, you know, so I think teams arming them, with that knowledge and bringing you on to educate them about they're in control of that platform and can make what, what they will is a great thing. I mean, right before we hopped on with Sully, there was a pretty spectacular video that just got leaked out on Twitter of uh, Draymond Green of the Warriors punching his teammate in the face. So now there's that that they're dealing with. So I think you alluded to this earlier, Kevin, is that, you know, it just changes the discussion point in the narrative, right. just like Coach Dorsey having a meltdown at the end of the Dolphins game, just changed the narrive from an amazing game between two unbeaten clubs. So it's now, uh, here's it's the powerful. thing. Yeah, the, the good thing for the Warriors is they've got Raymond Ritter as right. a secret weapon. Exactly. And Matt Matt uh, goes way back with Raymond, like I do. And, and the Warriors are a media training client of mine, so I'm I'm not um, impartial on this, but a couple things. So. They've got a, a, as good of a, of a communications team as you can have, led by Raymond. Secondly, they have years of goodwill built up. Not only four championships in recent years, but just the way they are in the community and, and the way they treat the media and everything else. And number three, uh, you know, Draymond himself is well-liked by the media. And they got on it quickly. I thought Bob Myers handled it very well at GM. Now, the video could change things. Video does matter, and it does just ask Ray Rice. you know. But I know the Warriors will, will be in front of this and will handle it well. And, but don't underestimate also the goodwill that has been built up by both the organization and, and Draymond personally uh, uh, in that you know, he kind of has he, – he just has an advantage there. Draymond is actually you – know, he's very good with the media. 
He's a thoughtful person, even though he you know, think of him as this physical uh, guy and everything. He's very smart, and they'll get through this. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it is interesting, is the, Sully, that you mentioned that you know you wonder, well, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing? It? Well, you are. You're building up goodwill, and you're not doing it for a rainy day, but it sure helps when that rainy day comes around. Right. That equity. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, that equity that you build up a lot of times, and and I'd love to hear you speak to that because I'm sure in some of your in many of your stops. It's the equity you may have built up with the community or with the media or whatever that, that really pays dividends. Uh, so, so if you could speak to that. But also another question for you, when when you have a client who does make a mistake on social and they're going to make a mistake on social, and that, what is your advice to clients usually when, when you know, how to, how to get over that mistake, how to remedy that mistake, just in broad terms? Well, the apology has to be, if it's a scenario where you're apologizing, it's, it's got to be quick, complete. You know, basically you express regret, you take responsibility, and you say what you're going to do differently going forward. And then over time, your actions will will let the audience, you know, the, will decide whether the person was authentic and legit or not. Uh, but you got to get to it quickly before something becomes, you know, just further shared or becomes embedded in our sort of consciousness as, as conventional wisdom, but it's, it's, it's gotta be done, you know, quickly, you know, you, you know, all PR practitioners know you never say if I offended anyone, I'm sorry, you know, by virtue of the fact you're giving an apology, you have offended somebody or you wouldn't be doing it. Right. Uh, you know, depending on what it is, you know, the, especially if you've got that equity you referred to, Matt, you, you can't you can't you can't come back from these things. It just depends. There's certain lines that, that can't be crossed. But the main thing is make the apology quick and complete. Definitely. Hey, Kevin, shifting gears a little more into the traditional media space. Um, you know, obviously the whole world kind of sees this. It's shrinking newsrooms, especially in the local front, right? And there's some local news gathering agencies that are doing great and making a go of it. There's a lot of them that are really, really struggling. You're seeing a lot of uh new young journalists, very green journalists kind of coming into the space. Um, we always try to advise our guys, stay on top of these changes, get to know these people. With the shrinking newsroom, you can look at it one of two ways, right? You can look at it like, oh my gosh, there's less room for us to get in. Or you can look at it the way we try to look at it, and that's there's so many more opportunities to bring value to these journalists because they're, they're not writing one story on one beat anymore. They're writing five on five different subjects, and they're oftentimes um, you know, unarmed right. with all the facts. So you have a chance here. How do you, you kind of see the way the media landscape's unfolding these days and kind of the advantages and disadvantages to it? Well, uh, there's there's a lot of a lot to unpack there. Number one, on the on the shrinking newsroom, uh, Betsy Dixon, who works uh, for uh, an old pal of Matt's and mine, Tony Faye PR here in Dallas, and Betsy is one of the greatest media relations pros that I, that I know. And she gave me a great anecdote. She was talking to a news editor at the at at uh, one of the local network affiliates in Dallas, and the editor said, "We are so busy." And there are so many stories to, to, to edit and put together that what I do, I look at the first answer and the last answer because those are the easiest to click. Huh. So, so number one, you know, and everything in our line of work starts with who's the audience. So think about that, you know, that diminished newsroom, they are busy, make it easy for them. So that's where the, 
don't give a five minute answer, you know, just, just, you know, understand who your audience is and how, how to break through with that, you know, simple message that's targeted to a, to an audience. Uh, the other thing is that, you know, Don Allmeyer had the famous quote, uh, the answer to all your questions is money. Well, the answer to all your questions here is relationships. Like we talked about a few minutes ago, get to know those new reporters, help them understand the beat or what's important to you. But also when you have a reporter journalist that is unfamiliar to the beat, there's an opportunity there uh, to seize that, you know, control a little bit, or at least the direction and say, you know, here's what I think would be most interesting to your readers or your listeners or your viewers. And normally in my experience, they'll be grateful to you for that help. You know, in the news racket today, you have a reporter interviewing the team GM who may have just come from a city council meeting or, or a, the police station. Right. And so help them understand, do that, use that ice breaking time. Don't be mad at him or frustrated or impatient. Understand that, that he or she uh, is in a diminished state in terms of staff uh, volume of staff, uh, not necessarily in terms of importance or their talent or anything like that, but, but just to help them do their jobs as, as best as you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it, you're right. It's it's um, you have an opportunity to mold the story a little bit more when you you know when you have a reporter who's as, as John said has five different stories to do that particular day. Is it gives you an opportunity to mold the story a little bit. Um, so right. do you have a if you could crystal ball it a little bit and say these are the top one, two, or three biggest challenges that our our industry is going to face over the next over the coming years? Hey, could you list those? Yeah, you know, I think I think just the, the way things are changing, and I think we saw it, you know, with with Thursday night football on Amazon this this, this season. So it's incumbent now on the NFL and on Amazon to make sure everyone understands how to access the game, and so communications plays an enormously important role. And I think you know anybody who's spent any time online, who who especially if you're a sports fan. I saw quite a few, you know, digital posts and ads and interviews with people talking about how to access, you know, the game, uh, that first Thursday night game. I think, you know, look at how things are changing and, uh, and, 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 and see how can we bring communications to the fore to, to help us succeed in this changing time. Number, number, number two is, again, knowing that as fast as things have changed, uh, we, we, we don't have anybody's full attention. So we have to get to the good stuff. We have to, you know, when I worked at NBC sports with Dick Ebersol, who, by the way, his I'll put in a plug for his new book from Saturday night to Sunday night. It's his, his life in television. He, he, he attributes relationship building to his success. It's a, there's a lot of great stuff in there for, for PR practitioners, but, but uh, we called it the tiger woods rule. And this was Dick's thing is, if Tiger Woods was on, on the air, the press release, the first two words of the press release had to be Tiger Woods. Like, get right to it. Tell a story. Paint a picture. That's more important than, um, you know, than ever as, as fast as, 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 you know, as, as things have changed. And I think, you know, I, I had a, a young person, a college student recently say to me, oh, I'm not that great at tech. And I, I said, I, I didn't, I should have said this to him. I, and maybe I will one day, but that would be like if I said to this audience, you know, I don't read very well, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, you just, you know, even like people used to say, I'm no good at math. You know, it's one thing to use it as a self-deprecating, you know, kind of line. But to say I'm not good at tech is eliminating yourself for consideration from all kinds of opportunities right. and jobs. So get, you know, as things are changing, you know, get good at it. But I think the number one thing I would say is, is prior to the pandemic, I used to coach our clients that energy was the most important connector. You got a likability, warmth, a little gratitude and humility in there, but bring good energy. An audience will gravitate to someone who looks fun and sort of enthusiastic and all that. It's got to be real, but but energy was the number one connector. And body language came into that and all that. And I think that has really flipped. And now energy has taken a second uh, back seat to empathy. And so as much as things have changed, you know, think about your audience and what can I offer them that is helpful to them, that will help them navigate the world. So if you're going to be on a panel discussion at an industry conference, whether it's on Zoom or in person, or if you're on a podcast like this one, you know, think about, okay, who's the audience? What can I offer them that is useful, that helps them navigate today's world? And if you hit that, that's more important than if you had a few ums or you knows or you looked away or, you know, people want to know that you speak their language, you get them, you understand the opportunities they have before them and the challenges they have and the problems they need help solving. So, you know, I think that's the number one thing is put your audience first and convince them right away that I have something of value for you. I'm something that is of more value to you than all the notifications you signed up for on that phone you haven't touched in the last three minutes. That's so smart. I mean, that's so smart. And I think you're right. And there's so many, to your point about the young person doesn't know tech, there's so, we have ways to learn and understand and take deep dives on things that we couldn't even imagine when we were all young. Um, and, and there's so much information out there at, at your disposal that if you choose to learn, you choose to improve yourself, um, you will. And, you know, it's funny when, when we, when Kevin Sullivan first joined us on the pod, he said he liked the name of our podcast and we wanted to jump in right. before we let him go on to jump in spin is a four letter word we came up with because we hate that word spin. It, it, we think it, it, it denigrates our industry. It paints us as bullshitters and not communicators. And so that was the genesis behind that, but we appreciate the compliment. Yeah. I, I've worked with executives over the years who will say in a practice interview, well, let me spin it this way. Yeah, yeah. And I always say, don't ever say that. You know, that there's certain <laughs> words you don't ever, because I, I told you summed it up, John, it does denigrate what we do. You know, we're, our, our, our craft is, is, you know, crafting messages that connect with an audience. It means something. It's not, and, you know, not, and in today's world, another thing that's changed is if you have a problem, you know, something negative has happened, you have to acknowledge it. You know, it's 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 the, the, the art of it is acknowledge the issue and then sort of redirect a little bit, pivot to what you're doing about it. You know, make it about the fix, make it about the future, what's happening next, what you're doing about it. And, and that's not spin. But if you if you don't acknowledge it, uh, you have to. Uh, uh, you're going to look like you're just, you're just dodging the question. Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's a time and a place where sometimes you can't answer a question, but I always think you're better served by, by saying why you can't answer what's well, premature or there's litigation or there's an investigation underway. I hope you understand. There's not a lot I could offer on that. Uh, you know, today, uh, you know, I, I remember during the, during the pandemic, 
uh, Seth Waugh, the CEO of the PGA mm-hmm. of America, was asked about their insurance policy because they're going to play uh, the 2020 PGA Championship at Harding Park in San Francisco with no fans. And the media was asking him, uh, what, you know, how much did your insurance cover and how much are you going to lose and all this? And he just said, well, I hope you can understand for, for a number of reasons. I'm not going to talk about our insurance, insurance policy, but what's most important here is that we got in front of the pandemic as much as we could. And not one of our programs that our 28,000, you know, PGA golf professionals do across the country has had to be, has had to be limited. In fact, we're amping up as, you know, as golf being a recreational exercise that you can do with your friends and family, socially distanced, good to get outside, good for your mental health. So he took this negative question about losing money and he made it about what they were able to accomplish during the pandemic. And he did it in such an interesting way that there were, you know, follow-up questions about what he had just said. He said to them, I can't talk to you about the insurance policy. Mm -hmm. And on some level, people understand you're not going to say, what exactly was in there for proprietary and other reasons, you know? So, but he didn't just dodge it or, yeah, you know, yeah. it, you know, kind of the old, well, I don't know about that, but what I can tell you is yeah. it just doesn't work anymore. You know, you really do have to, it's a combination of the acknowledgement and then a little bit of a pivot. And as long as what you pivot to is interesting, uh, it'll work. It's really smart. I mean, yeah, just, just getting out of the way and just saying, Hey, I can't talk about our insurance policy, but saying the words instead of being so scared of the actual question, that's, Pretty impressive. Kevin, I, we were going to wrap up just now, but now you spurred one more question, and then I promise we'll let you go. Um, we, we talk a lot of times uh, about how oftentimes public relations advice and legal advice butt heads because a lawyer's knee-jerk is to circle the wagons and not say anything, and our knee-jerk is to share some information and say something. Um, I guess two-part question. One, how have you kind of overcome when that's been the case? And two, are you seeing more of a willingness um, from lawyers that understand there needs to be some kind of happy medium there and some give and take in the comm space? I do think lawyers understand the comm space better. I wish there could be a strategic communications course taught in every law school and every MBA program in the country for that reason. The, um, so it's a couple things here. You definitely want to be aligned with the legal strategy. Like if you're dealing with an issue where you know there is either already litigation or there is a high likelihood of litigation, you have to be aligned because you don't want to inadvertently create a problem for your, 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 your company you know, by, by, by doing something on the communications front that interferes with the legal strategy. However, uh, and I, I, I have this in some of my, my workshops and things, you know, work with the lawyers ahead of time, help them understand. And th- this is not a new case study, but years and years ago, this is 2008 or nine, there was a, a sexual harassment scandal at the University of Colorado uh, with a football team. And when this thing was over, Everybody lost their jobs. The football coach, who I think was Gary Barnett at the time, mm-hmm. the AD, and even the university president. And the university president, whose name is Betsy Hoffman, gave a gave a talk. It was, I believe, it was already on her schedule. It was a, it was like a, the Denver, you know, Chamber of Commerce or a civic group in Denver. And when she spoke, she she upheld her commitment to go address this audience. And one of her, her big takeaways was. I wish I would have listened more to the communicators because the lawyers wanted me to say nothing. 
And since no one told our, since we didn't tell our story, no one did. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it may be the only time in history that, 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 that sentence was said, <laughs> you know, I needed to listen more to the PR people than the lawyers, <laughs> but, uh, but there's a, some real merit to that, to, to learning from that. And there is, there's definitely a, a middle ground where we have to make sure we make the key essential points, even if we can't go into a lot of detail or we can't cross a certain line. Uh, but to, to all of our, uh, our fellow communications uh, professionals and colleagues in the listening to this, set up a meeting with, with your general counsel. If you don't do it on a regular basis, help them understand how the media works today, how it's changed and how, and, you know, give them some examples of companies that have have made this mistake of locking down too much and not telling the story about the steps that you take it to to fix something. Uh, because, uh, you know, and interestingly, at the White House, the lawyers really respected the communications process and, and allowed us, uh, you know, the line was, you know, the lawyers, lawyers are generally really good writers. But lawyers should not be in charge of happy versus glad. We used to say, <laughs> you know, let the let the PR professionals handle handle the, the message part of it. But just you know, be a filter, be a double check, make sure we're okay here. But don't shut everything down just just in case, because we really do need to you know tell our story. I'm really glad I brought that up. That yeah. was really helpful, Kevin, and really smart insights from you and. You know, like the like the university president alluded to, if you if you create a vacuum, someone's filling it. So right, it can right. be you, it could be somebody else, but someone's going to fill it. But Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan Communications, and such a, a dynamic career, Sully. It's been a pleasure. We really are grateful for you giving us so much of your time and and so much of your wisdom. Um, thank you for being part of Spin as a four letter word. Now this is this was a this was a blast. It's great to be with with you, John and, and Matt, and uh, and really thanks for having me on. It's always fun talking shop, and uh, happy to do it. Great to talk to you, Sully. Have a good day, Sully. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to Spin is a Four Letter Word. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe. Send us your feedback too. We want this to be interesting for everybody, and give us a follow at Maroon PR on Twitter and LinkedIn.